0: Thanks, Andy. I'm actually in Felton, just south of Santa Cruz, where evacuation orders remain. Take a look at the fire literally on the mountain. Over
1: 78,000 acres have burned, and in some
0: cases... UC Santa Cruz is no stranger to fire. If you're a student here, you've almost certainly heard of the CZU Lightning Complex fire, a blaze in August of 2020 that ended up consuming just under 1,500 buildings in Santa Cruz County, killed one person, and forced the entire UCSC campus to evacuate. Total devastation. Just how hot this fire got. Check out the back of this car, the glass, totally melted away. I, like thousands of students at the time, wasn't on campus to begin with, but I watched the event very closely from a distance and, at some points, wondered whether there'd even be a campus left to go to by the time the fire was contained.
2: The CZU Lightning Complex fire was triggered by a lightning storm that set off several smaller blazes, which eventually coagulated into a massive swath of destruction. But most fires don't start this way. According to the Department of the Interior, roughly 88% of large wildfires in the U.S. from 2016 to 2020 were caused by humans. Of these, most were accidental. A campfire left unsupervised or a still-lit cigarette tossed onto the right batch of kindling. Fires teach us that all it takes is one small error in the right conditions to create a nightmare scenario.
0: We're not telling you this to scare you, not by any means, but there's being scared and then there's being perceptive. If most wildfires are started by people, then there must be something that individual people can do to decrease the risk of wildfire. A short list of things to watch for, to plan for, and to be aware of.
2: That's why Kyle and I are here, and we brought a friend.
1: Yeah, thank you Kyle, I'm happy to be here.
2: This is Nicholas Otis, the campus fire marshal here at UCSC and the university's go-to guy for fire safety. We sat down with him a few days ago to get a good grasp on what the average slug can do around campus to ensure that they don't start an accidental fire and that they're aware of what to do if one does occur.
0: This episode was also planned for National Fire Prevention Week, an event started by the National Fire Prevention Agency to raise awareness for ways to be fire safe. The week is from October 3rd to October 9th, and we'll be covering some of its main takeaways and how those can be applied to life at UC Santa Cruz. Fantastic. So just to kick things off, when I hear the words fire marshal and I hear about uh, like the campus having one, my first instinct is like, okay, what, what, are, what are the duties that a fire marshal has kind of on campus?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The campus fire marshal program is something that uh, every jurisdiction actually has. Every city, every county, and even every uh, UC campus has their own fire marshal. Fire marshals are responsibilities kind of are a broad spectrum of a lot of things. Uh, Those go into annual building inspections. So I have a whole staff and team that does all of our annual building inspections, which uh, is making sure that all the fire and life safety components are uh, working and uh, the buildings are safe for students and faculty to to be on campus. Uh, I also oversee, so I review, inspect, and con- and uh, approve all the construction that takes place on campus. So that's that's actually what mostly fire marshals do. It's a more of a construction based uh, component of it of types of inspections. I think sometimes when people hear fire marshal, it, I agree it's it's sometimes confusing. Um, We're not the suppression side. Suppressions, your firefighters and your emergency personnel that are going into emergencies. We're more the back end, kind of behind the scenes people that if everything's working the way it's supposed to be and there's no issues, we're doing our job essentially. Other things that I do on campus is I'm heavily involved in all the campus events to ensure safety components, making sure that things are kind of running the way they need to be done. And then I also oversee public education on campus. That's another um, big one that we do. So we we do a lot of trainings on campus for students and faculty. And we're with COVID, we've been developing a whole new Um, branding of like a digital format for that which has been uh, a new arena for us but we're taking it on we have some new staff that are, are overseeing that program
0: what would you say are kind of the biggest key takeaways of national fire prevention week both this year and kind of just as a whole that people should be aware of
1: yeah, so Fire Prevention Week, uh, as you mentioned, is a is a yearly campaign that typically falls within the first or second week of October, and they typically identify a specific fire safety topic. Um, this year, the the topic is called "Learning the Sounds of Fire Safety," which is essentially talking about smoke detector awareness as well as carbon monoxide awareness. Years past, I think last year it was cooking safety. Um, which is actually the leading cause of fires in the United States. Their campaign this year is about learning the sounds of fire safety is, is essentially kind of talking about making sure that people understand what smoke detection and carbon monoxide detection do and what they provide. You should have a smoke detector in every bedroom. You should have one in like a common area. They typically encourage you to make sure that you don't keep them in bathrooms and in kitchens because a lot of times um, you have steam and things like that. And believe it or not, steam actually will trip a smoke detector. And then also with carbon monoxide, if you have gas fed appliances in your house, and you have a leak, that gas, that natural gas that you get, a lot of the times is an odorless gas. What's dangerous about that is if you were in an environment where, say it was really cold, you had all the windows closed, and you had your gas appliances going off, that's that carbon monoxide what it'll do is it'll actually kind of paralyze you. And then in some instances, you can be either, um, it can cause brain damage or even death. It's a really, really big deal. And then lastly, with, with smoke detectors, I wanna say is that in most cases with a smoke detector, they're gonna pick up on smoke, early signs of smoke. And c- could be the difference between you getting out of your house uh, alive or not. In and, and a lot of cases, um, from the start of smoke to when you get full on fire is sometimes in a window of like two minutes.
0: What are a few other kind of common sense fire prevention guidelines that students could like use a reminder
1: for? Yeah, so um, obviously, as we were touching, smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detection is is a really, really big one. Um, Specific to students, it's really important that your family just has an overall plan. So and that can be your family at home. That can be your family at school you know, so your, your housemates, things like that, is just making sure you have all the, the steps for having a, an effective evacuation plan and knowing who you need to call, making sure you have like a go bag in an instance, if there was like, say, a wildfire or something like that, knowing if there was some sort of emergency where you would collectively meet. In some emergencies, depending on the severity of it, cell phone towers might be out. So that's something that a lot of people kind of sometimes overlook. You know, With the wildfires that we had last year, it's for CZU, we, we lost power to a lot of our cell phone towers for a period of time. With that as well, I think the other thing that I would probably um, highlight as well is being familiar with evacuation practices, especially when you live on campus. That, that's a really, really big one. Um, one of the things that we do on campus is within the first 10 academic school days, we do random fire drills, and it's actually a state mandated practice. So we are required to do it and we have to document it. And that's something that's really, really important as well, is that just you're familiar with kind of your evacuation zones and the processes that kind of exist. And that's something that when you move on campus, uh, we work with all the RAs on campus and kind of give them the training on kind of what we want to make sure is messaged out to you guys. And then we go out and do the actual drills. And then we, we provide kind of like open houses throughout the year. Probably the two big things for students is You know, obviously the smoke and uh, carbon monoxide detection, as well as just, you know, emergency preparedness and evacuation uh, readiness, I think is a really, really important uh, trait that students should just have in the back of their mind. The one thing was, especially with the CSU fire, that was the first time in the 50-year history of our campus that we ever had to evacuate. And it probably will not be the last time. I hate to paint such a grim picture, but that's something that is kind of starting to become more of our reality. And students just need to make sure that they understand all that and um, and take that kind of preparedness seriously.
0: So to kind of keep going on this guidelines for students, things that students should be thinking about uh, on campus, are there any guidelines that you can think of that are kind of, they wouldn't come to mind immediately and they, they're kind of uh, almost more, almost more niche, like fire safety, uh, guidelines that students should be aware of.
1: Yeah. Uh, cooking safety. Uh, Cooking safety is actually a really big one, Uh, you know, for all the apartments that we have on campus, typically within the UC system. So like I mentioned earlier, we have a fire marshal at each UC and we're all in each other's business. So we know what happens on all the other campuses as well. Cooking safety is by far the um, biggest fire issue on campus when it comes to camp, like housing fires that take place. Make sure that if you are cooking, that you constantly are, you know, you're giving it that attention. You know, I know in our busy lives, we tend to sometimes walk away from the stove and things like that and you know i remember a long time ago being a a college student and you know making pasta and you step away and then all of a sudden that water's boiling up and then you're getting smoke all over the place when you're cooking with an oven you should have all the handles actually pointed away from the outer parts of the oven so when i say that like if you're cooking on like one burner have the handles be on the inside of the oven so they're, not, um, so they're not like a bumping hazard. And then the other one has to do with if you actually had a cooking fire. In most cases, what you wanna do, if you have a fire on your oven that's occurring, you immediately turn off. If you're able to, and it's safe to do so, you would wanna turn off the oven um, by its handle. And then also you wanna have a tray or a lid that would cover to essentially smother the fire that's happening. About three years ago, we had a cooking fire on campus Uh, And it was a grease. Um, Some students were were, um, cooking with oil, and the fire got out of hand. And they, when we did the investigation, we found out what they thought you were supposed to do was to put flour on because they thought that that would smother it. That actually makes it worse. And the other thing, if you're cooking with oil, is don't put water on it. You want to turn off the heat source and you want to cover that.
0: So I cannot but think that there are some guidelines that would differ whether you're living on campus or whether you're living off campus. And I think there will be some people that listen to this that either are, are not living in Santa Cruz at the moment or are living off campus and, and they're looking for something that's applicable to them. What would you say are some guidelines that are different?
1: So I would say about 90% of it is applicable across the board. But I do, I would say that there are some small exceptions from like, say, the campus, the the college experience versus, say, the um, you know living off campus experience, and I think a couple of those have to do with kind of some of the level of oversight that the university kind of has. You know, uh, all the UC campuses are smoke free campuses, so um, they discourage smoking on campus of any sort. Even with that in place, we still get small. Um, vegetation fires and when I say that you know we'll find smoldering or something like that so we're able to identify it and notify the fire department before uh, it becomes a real issue. In regards to um, living off campus uh, one of the main differences is that most houses or apartments that you live in depending on when they were built may or may not require fire sprinklers in them. So that's probably one of the biggest differences that you would see, is that you could live in a situation where like, should have smoke detection or carbon monoxide detection provided, um, but sprinklers would be omitted. And that's totally allowable by the code. So when buildings are built and things like that, and the fire code gets updated every three years, it's not retroactive. So when a new code cycle comes out, doesn't mean that everybody's got to play by the same rules. But the thing that I would encourage students to do and we have we have resources on our website is to understand what you're Student rights are when you are leasing off, and the questions that you should be asking if you are leasing a space. And the reason I say that is you don't want to put yourself in a situation where it could be it could be a problem for you for your own safety. So you know things like making sure that they're providing smoke detection, know if they keep fire extinguishers. So if you live in an apartment complex, apartment complexes specifically are required to have fire extinguishers within a specific travel distance, and you'll notice that on campus that we meet all those requirements. But that's something that maybe sometimes is missed within the city jurisdictions. Uh, and then the other thing that I would just kind of highlight is that if you ever have questions about that sort of stuff, um, our website will provide resources, but we do not have any jurisdictional oversight over that. They're their own, that's within the city municipality. So if like you feel like you were in a situation that was not safe or it was not warranted, you can, in most cases that I know within Santa Cruz County, they have an anonymous tip line, so you can do it. with. With a failsafe knowing that it's not any information that's going to be going back to you, that's one of the things that I would definitely encourage students to kind of think about.
0: That anonymous tip kind of system, do you know where students can go to find that if they find themselves in a situation like that?
1: Yeah, it's it's on the Santa Cruz City uh, Fire Department website. Uh, there should be a link, I think, on the front page that has to do with, do with anonymous tips for um, for fire safety concerns.
0: So um, we've covered a lot today, uh, but just uh, kind of to to start to close things out here, um, is there anything else you'd like to share about National Fire Prevention Week or campus fire safety at large?
1: Yeah, I have two items for you guys. One of them is that we're starting a campus-wide evacuation survey That's going to be with the Office of Emergency Services, as well with the uh, Institution of Research, Assessment, and Policy Studies with the university. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn the needs of those in our community. So we want to know about campus emergency response and what we can do to be fully prepared in the case if we have to have another evacuation. We're going to have an announcement about it on uh, September 7th, next Tuesday and Tuesday Newsday, and then surveys will most likely be going out within the following few days. The other thing that I want to emphasize for you guys was uh, we just developed a website that's about wildfire awareness uh, for the university that's first a resource for students and we go into a lot of different topics to kind of make students aware so we talk about wildfires in uc santa cruz and in there we kind of talk about explaining essentially what a wildfire is and also the history of wildfires in santa cruz county to kind of make students aware of kind of what our region is up against and kind of The weather patterns that exist within our region and kind of how that plays into it. We also talk about wildfire safety initiatives that we do on campus. So we do those as a means to uh, limit and and mitigate risks that comes to campus. So we talk about our vegetation management program on campus, we talk about fire breaks, um, and recent projects that we've done part of that resource is we do a component of preparing people for wildfires. So we talk about if the event of a wildfire to kind of help students know what they need to prepare for, and then also eventually return to campus. And we also provide a lot of links that have to do with what best ways for you to stay informed in the event of a wildfire, and then also kind of planning an emergency kit.
0: Fantastic. And may I ask, what's the the URL for that uh, that website about uh, fire awareness?
1: Yeah, so you can go to our website So it's oes.ucsc.edu, and that is right on our front page. That has all the information. You click that, and it'll take you right to our wildfire page. Wildfires is at the forefront right now for obvious reasons, but... We touch on a whole bunch of topics. We, you know, we, we touch on if uh, earthquake preparedness. We talk about flooding. We talk about, you know, if there was an event of an active shooter, uh, basically any kind of campus disruption, we, we kind of touch the base on most of those.
0: So finally, just to wrap things up, if, uh, if any students have been listening to this episode and they have any additional questions beyond what we've covered, who can they reach out to?
1: Yeah. So like I mentioned before, our URL that oes.ucsc.edu, that has, we have a contact page in there. I think it's on the left-hand side. It lists all of our staff and contacts. You can reach out to there. We also accept general inquiries. So you just have a general question. Maybe you don't know who to contact from our staff list. Uh, You can just send an email to oes at ucsc.edu and that will get sent to everybody on our team and one of us will be able to respond.
0: I think that just about wraps it up.
1: Great. I'm uh, happy to provide information to the students.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was made by Francis Horwiz and Kyle Keller for the Division of Student Affairs and Success here at UCSC. A special and massive thanks goes out to Nick Otis who took time out of his busy schedule to make this episode happen.